Welcome to Surviving Saturday, a podcast about holding on to hope in the midst of life's difficulties, disappointments, and dark seasons. Times like that remind us of the agony and despair the followers of Jesus felt on the Saturday of Easter weekend, in between the Friday on which he was crucified and the Sunday on which he rose from the dead. That Sunday forever changed the way that humans can relate to God. But what does it look like to be honest about the very real pain we experience in the in-between? To fervently cling to hope in the God who promised us His peace and His presence at times when He feels distant or even cruel. I'm Wendy Osborne, a licensed counselor in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm her husband, Chris, a marriage mediator, conflict resolution coach, and trauma-informed story work coach. Join us each episode for authentic conversations about how life not turning out as we'd expected has created the contextual soil for the growth of a tenacious hope in the resurrection and in a God who is still making all things new. Hello and welcome back to Surviving Saturday. I'm Wendy. And I am Chris. We are picking up here as sort of a part two on our reflections on Epiphany. And um, we started out last time, I shared some of my reflections and we talked about it. And today we're gonna hear um, from Chris, get the gift of hearing where God took his heart. One of the passages that we read and we did it um, as Lectio Divina. Chris, why don't you um, share what that is? Yes. So Lectio Divina is something I've been learning about. It's uh, for those of you who were not Latin nerds, like maybe me or some of us, um, you don't have to know Latin. You don't have to like Latin or understand it. Um, All it means is holy reading, basically. And it's a form of reading scripture that invites us to instead of reading just to understand or explain or learn in some kind of knowledge sense. Instead, it's a way of prayerful reading of Scripture where you're asking God to speak through the text by, by sitting with a smaller chunk, a smaller, sometimes it's a word or phrase or it's a, a, it can be a passage, but listening in certain ways and listening to the same passage multiple times. And so in this particular, um, uh, I've uh, been helping lead a, a group at church of men who are doing you know, Lectio, we do it uh, every Wednesday morning. Uh, but this one, somebody else was reading um, and read through the passage three or four times. And each time there's a different sort of invitation for what to listen for. Um, and I found it really powerful and transformative. Something in its simplicity I, w- I had, would have dismissed. And in its structure that normally I would dismiss and, and, and not understand. But it, it really has brought scripture alive, I would say. Well, and I think for me, it um, the the practice of getting my entire body and being into the text by considering what would the sights and sounds and smells have been? Mm-hmm. What do I think people might be whispering about in the corner? Where would I have been? It's let me experience and meet Jesus in ways that just... Um, reading for my cortex to understand did not. Yes, and and some of what you're describing to me sounds a little bit like more like a reflective reading or a contemplative reading, which may be a little bit different either because I don't know that in in Lectio proper we go into sights and sounds and all that. So I think there's value. That's another engagement of Scripture also in a rich way that I think fits. Okay. Um, And and this Lectio, like 
at least those weren't the questions asked today. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you hear nothing else here, we, we love the Bible and we're learning to read it better in more rich <laughs> ways. Um, we're not arguing. That's right. <laughs> okay, so this is a passage um, often read at Christmas um, around the wise men. And Epiphany is um, a time of reflecting on the wise men and their journey. So I'm going to read um, Matthew 2, 9 to 11. And this is from the ESV, if that matters to you. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, Chris, why don't you um, share with us where that passage took your heart and even your conversation with Jesus? Yeah. um, So, the invitation on the first reading through an Electio Divinia is just what word or phrase jumps out at you. Um, and I had two. Um, the first is particularly was um, how they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And I just sat with that and, and just the exuberance of that, yes. the, the excess of that just really struck me. Like rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Like I don't know how common that was in those times, but particularly for people whose job was, you know, these were the astronomer nerds, okay? Uh These are people who look to the stars and they're looking, you know, they're doing mathematical computations and trying to read ancient sacred texts and make sense of it all. So they're probably pretty scholarly, you know. I picture these very um, grave and serious people. But they're rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. Like they're doing like a happy dance. They are like, I can't believe this is happening. There's something just amazing. Um, what comes to mind a little bit is um, we've, we've mentioned a couple times watching The Chosen. Uh-huh. And like Nicodemus, who is the member of the Sanhedrin, who starts to recognize, wait a minute, this Jesus guy might be, he might be the Messiah that we've been looking for. And he's the only one of, of his you know, yeah. group who does. And he is about to burst. And yet he can't do anything with it because of his position. But watching his sort of, you know, and then watching the disciples as they're gathered, like, this, we think this is the one. Yeah. Like, no, we've been waiting for this forever. And just to see the joy rising up. So these wise men rejoicing exceeding with great joy, that just jumped at me and and, and meant a lot to me. Um, and uh, the other phrase was opening their treasures, which I'll mm-hmm. talk about in just a minute. Um, the second read through then is you listen again and the passage is read again and you listen for an emotion or you, you listen at what do you feel mm-hmm. as it's read? What do you feel in your body? What do you sense? What 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 is that, you know, um, how does it show up for you? And that time, again, the rejoiced exceeding with great joy, I started to just let myself feel some joy. And in particular, joy over the idea of the idea they open their treasures. Like mm-hmm. the wise men, you know, we hear about gold and frankincense and myrrh, and we're like, oh, they went shopping, and I guess that's what they have at whatever. But there's something about what they brought, not just the symbolism. I'm not talking about that, but th- that phrase, opening their treasures, um, I got to tell you where that landed. You got to know a little context. Okay. Um, so 
as I've mentioned sometimes on the podcast, and as Wendy unfortunately has heard ad nauseum, um, I've really been in a, a year, year and a half process of sort of vocational repurposing. And it's really dovetailed with an identity repurposing. Our kids are grown and out of the house. They're adults. I don't operate my world to you know do the next dad thing that I'm supposed to do. Um, which used to be a lot of how we knew what we were doing with our uh, work. Almost all of it. Right. So I'm not dad of young or even adolescent people anymore. And I've known I don't fit in the legal world where I am the same way that I used to. So I've been kind of turning everything upside down, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And it's left me with lots of alone time, contemplative time, um, I've let go of my law practice and I don't have clients except for maybe a little handful, you know, asking me for anything or needing me for anything. So I'm, I'm, I am sort of choosing this new direction, going to grad school, all that. But yesterday, um, I had sort of a, you know, a challenging day getting started, feeling kind of overwhelmed, feeling tired, kind of taking a nap in the middle of the day, which I don't, didn't used to do until this season. But, um, when I did sort of rally, and decided, okay, I've got to do something with my time. I've got to actually, um, we had a bunch of dishes piled up in the sink because our dishwasher went on the frets on Wednesday or Thursday. And there's a part that needs to be ordered. We called the repair person. It's not coming until later on. So we had all these dishes that we, you know, we, we actually started eating takeout because like, we don't want to make any more dishes. We don't want to go back to, I don't know, first world problems. Anyway, I'm like, okay, while I'm going to do these dishes, I'm going to finally tackle it so the mountain doesn't get any bigger. I'm going to listen to something good. I was listening to a training kind of thing that I was going through, and there happened to be a piece of it that was a message from a pastor, some of you may know Andy Stanley, whether you do or don't, doesn't matter, Um, but he was giving this talk on um, basically mentoring and how caring for people who are younger in the faith and coming along behind you is basically a matter of taking your treasure chest, Mm. the treasure chest that you have of times that you've been through, that Jesus has been with you, that God has met you. It's opening your treasure chest and sharing it with mm. people. I kid you not. And guys, I have had this recording to listen to for two months, probably at least a month and a half, and have you know hadn't gotten around to it, hadn't gotten to this recording, hadn't really. But it happened to be, and and I, it it resonated with me. Remember, you came home from work, and I told you this was a cool part of what I listened to today. This was probably the best part of my day. So to walk in this morning and have this passage mm, center yeah. on the wise men, A, feeling joy and just being lost in that because they'd found their way to this you know person who's going to change everything and opening their treasures. Mm. And I just would, was just so just moved with that. And I wanted to just laugh because it felt like one of those gift moments from God. I almost hesitate to even speak of it. But I just, I'm on this journey of remembering what I've probably known at different points in my life, but remembering and and renewing my belief in that God can speak that particularly. Mm. And that the message, and, 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 you know, I love it that the whole enterprise is speaking to you, as we talked about in the last episode, and God's, you know, hitting you in a certain way in the same content, you know, other people were interacting with, and you could tell it's meaningful for them. But I felt like I got this, you know, this was designed for D. Christopher Osborne, born January 24th, 1970. Here's what you were listening to yesterday, and here's the gift yeah. you now. And it just raised that joy in me. And like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever is coming ahead, however my journey is playing out vocationally otherwise, um, it's an invitation to great joy. 
and just to open treasures that I have been collecting for 20 years or more. Um, this podcast being one of them, us getting to talk through, hey, here's times when God showed up. Mm-hmm. And so going back to that idea of story work that we were introducing last time, I don't remember where I heard this phrase this way or if I landed on this, but part of why we tell our stories and we go into the granular details and we go into, and I, I, I love storytelling and I love the nuance of it, because what I hope comes out is you see the fingerprints of God. You see yes. a God who loves particularly enough yes. to let certain things happen mm-hmm. and to to give a gift to each of us individually as, as a person. And for me, I'm in experience this renewed, oh, I want that. I want more of that. Um, and it's freeing me from some of the hand-wringing and second-guessing and you know, agonizing I do or have done through this year of wrestling mm-hmm. and figuring out where I'm supposed to be and all. And so I'm going to return to the words that, you know, from that passage, we go to the Jan Richardson poem that we shared last time for mm-hmm. those who have far to travel. And and I will put this whole poem in the newsletter this yes, week. So that's if a great people idea. are interested in it, it's um, so good. But when I read her opening words, if you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it, might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you've known toward the place you know not, and then call it from one of the mercies of the road that we see it only by stages as it opens up before us, as it comes into our keeping step by single step, that just undid me um, because that's sort of where I've been really wrestling in this last year, year and a half of why has the journey played out this way? Mm-hmm. I've, I've had these great vocational opportunities that I've embraced and leaned into, and they have been phenomenal and mm-hmm. I am absolutely proud of them and grateful for them and none of them lasted sustained for various reasons that most of which have you know very little to do with me in, mm-hmm. in one case you know the law school I was teaching at and loved and thought I was going to be at forever like doesn't exist anymore yeah. and and you know things like that um what have and and, and I love this idea of I, I can see how each step along the way has been preparing me for something else and, and to be homing in on what that something else is, is both terrifying and a source of exceeding great joy. Mm. At times in this past year, I have felt grief very closely juxtaposed with, juxtaposed with absolute joy. Yeah. Like, wait, God, you love me this much individually. You would let me do this. Mm. You've given me these treasures. Um, and one of the things Andy Stanley said about the treasure chest that I thought was just wonderful, he says, you know, some of you don't want, you don't believe you have a treasure chest or you like, you, well, you look at my chest, what's in there are skeletons, you know, things that, you know, that, that you put away in a chest and you hide for a reason. And he said, no, that, that's treasures too. Yeah, yeah, didn't he say that's good? He said that's good. He said yeah. that is that does not disqualify you. That is actually what gives you a story to tell. Because yeah. and he was he said this. I couldn't believe this because uh, you know Baptists would would perhaps freak out over this. But he said you know if you're on your second marriage, you think you don't have anything to teach you about marriage. I'll say no. That's quite incorrect. Yes, you know a lot about yes. marriage and how they fail and how they and how they don't go well, and you have things to share with people to help that maybe not happen, to help them off that path. And so the last thing I want to mention about the poem, though, is the poem ends, and I think it's why our friends chose this, you know, to to put these together. Um, At the end, they say, There are vows that only you will know, the secret promises for your particular path, and the new ones that you will need to make when the road is revealed by turns you could not have foreseen. Keep them. 
break them, make them again. Each promise becomes part of the path. Each choice creates the road that will take you to the place where at last you will kneel to offer the gift most received, most needed, the gift that only you can give before turning to go home by another way. Mm. Um, turns out Jan Richardson is, is thinking of the wise men. That phrasing, mm-hmm. they went home by another way, yep. that's about the gospel story. Yeah. And that just, oh gosh, ministered to my soul. Um, so much of what I've been wrestling with is what's the way? God, show me the way. Where's the way? And and of course, part of his answer is, well, I am the way. <laughs> and and knowing me better and spending time with me and letting me, you know, inform you, inform you will bear fruit. And and it is. Whatever, whether I do anything different vocationally or not, um, I wouldn't trade that. I don't want to lose that. But that idea of, yeah, I can now be in a position to offer the gift most needed and the gift only I can give. I'm feeling an invitation. Mm. That's part of the question uh, of this exercise too was what's the invitation of the Spirit? That's the third reading of Lectio. You go to the same passage. What is the invitation from God? And this whole exercise that we, we did was what is the invitation from God? And for me, it's, oh, open the treasure chest. Tell the stories of God's providence and provisions so mm. that people hopefully can see his handprints and fingerprints and how he works um, in despite of wrong terms and vows failed and broken and, and you know um, you know things you can't explain things you can't understand fully at all but th- there is a path mm-hmm. and it's a path that involves walking with him and being brought to exceeding great joy I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm trusting it a little bit more mm. I don't think the war is over um, and I'm going to probably need to listen to this podcast myself uh-huh. <laughs> at some point to remind myself you learned something or you hoped in something. But um, so that's that's sort of my experience of being made to sit. Um, and this happened because, you know, I let myself go to something where they said, you're going to have two hours to just sit, reflect, write. And I, I'm, I'm dealing with my natural resistance to that. And it's slowly. You, you know. did very well. <laughs> yes. Well, kind of like your journey, like we talked about last episode, your journey from wordlessness to using words wisely. I think I've been on a journey of economizing of words. Wordfulness. Wordfulness, maybe? yes, to more quietude, more presence. Mm. And because I've found that as I've started sitting with people, and we're unpacking their story and their trauma. They don't need my brilliance and my lots of words. Even when I was a, a, a law teacher or any any of the, all the teaching I've done, I want to draw people in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lecture the whole time. I, I think that's a bad use of anybody's time, including mine. I want to draw people in. And, and for me, it's been a journey to sometimes I sit in silence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, you know, if it's a brother, it's a friend, somebody I know well, I, you know, hold them. If not, I'm holding space, and I'm not filling with, well, I've got an answer. Because um, I spent a lot of my career being the answer guy and mm-hmm. had people pay me for answers in yeah. a sense, or that's what they think. Yeah. And part of what happened is I had to come to terms with I didn't always have answers, even though I'm well-trained in the law, knew all the you know tricks of the trade, knew what I was doing. I had to sit with people in times I said, I can't fix this, or I don't have an answer for this, or yeah, we won, and it's still you still have this difficult you know, task or thing ahead of you. And so for me, it's been a journey to 
less frenetic energy, less words. Mm. Ironic in the, this episode, I've talked more than you. But, um, but less good. words and more contemplation and more being a safe presence. Because mm-hmm. I think I also, as we talked about, I didn't know the harm that my words were doing sometime. Um, mm. And maybe you can pick that up as something to engage with. I don't know, but how, how I wanted to fix with words. I wanted to... Um, mend or deal with everything that was happening but with a superfluity of words too many words that left you that didn't help you in your journey to discover yours I would say yeah yeah and I mean I can make a couple of comments there and then something else came to my mind but yeah I think that an overabundance of words had been previously often weaponized Mm -hmm. and so it led me further into wordlessness and more into like a frozen state of why bother yeah um and there were ways you stepped on those wounds i think you were trying to help um but your silence over time has been very healing for me too yeah so it's we're both walking out what do we do with words what do we do with the presumed power of words what do we do with our words and with ourselves when they don't have any sort of effect or power well and i should mention too that as i learned was learning to be silent to not fill the space with learns i misplayed that as well there were times I'm like, oh, I don't have to engage. I can call a timeout. I can uh. pull away. And sometimes that felt too good, and I pulled away too far. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to care? Great. I don't care. Or at least that's what it came across sure. as. Sure, um, and, and so nobody learns. We don't unlearn the, the hard, bad tendencies without overcorrecting and having to figure out, well, now what is it like you know, to have – no words to to be silent but not to let that become a way of disappearing like i i didn't know i always heard fight or flight those are your trauma responses i didn't know freeze uh until people said like and then i I wasn't capable of freezing until i did Mm -hmm. and like oh i can feel overwhelmed and my words can't get me out and nothing else can get me out what is it like to sit with this feeling and sort of surf it urge Mm -hmm. it and don't go to the things that i would use to numb out like playing a game or watching TV or whatever, mm-hmm. but what's, what is it like to sit with overwhelm? And that, again, is where story work comes back in because my relationship with being overwhelmed is very tied to my story, very tied to what my five, six, seven-year-old yep. self-experienced. Um, and we don't have to go deep down that rope trail. You said there was something else. But I else. think there will be a time that we do. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I was thinking as far as the listening and the silence – So a year or so ago, I spent nine months in a monthly listening circle. And there were four or five of us that met together for like an hour and a half. Um, And everybody would take turns with a very limited amount of time to share something that was on their heart. Um, it could be something from long ago. It could be a current decision someone was trying to make. There, there really were no um, prescriptions for that. But after the person shared, everyone else in the group 
held a time of silence to listen to God on behalf of the person who had just shared. Wow. And then rather than giving advice or answers, we each just shared what we had observed and what God might have brought to mind as we sat in silence. And it's not a magic trick. So there were times some of us felt like we didn't really hear anything. And that was fine. Yeah. But it was a matter of learning to interact and care for one another by listening to the person and by listening to God. And I would say speaking only when necessary. Mm. Um, And it was a really formative experience for me um, to let other people listen to God on my behalf, trusting that maybe he would say something. Golly. And trusting that they were not going to bring me just what they thought, but they were going to really seek him in those few minutes and maybe what he had for me. Well, and what that, to me, that overlaps with a good story group in that, in a good, well-handled story group, one person brings their story. And maybe you have an expert facilitator, but in the best of them that I've seen, the rest of the group participates. And the commonality, even if you don't pause for the listen, the commonality is everybody is attuned. All eyes are on that person, the storyteller. And there's purposeful, it's not for advice giving. It's not for crosstalk. It's not for, let me tell you what you should do. Have you done this? It's more, how can we engage with you in the minutia, in the details of that story? And and God used that to bring greater truth and healing. Uh Partly because we don't narrate our own stories um, objectively. We can't because we're in the midst of them. Um, I saw this happen in a group not too long ago where... A guy was dis- describing how his mother had, had basically kept him an infant, kept him small for many, many years, and he couldn't see it. But we saw it. And like the people in the group, we could name it. Have you thought about this? But it was with a gentleness, and it was w- like you could see Dawn breaking mm. his eyes. Like, wait a minute. That ties to this. There's this theme. It, all it took was outside people who cared and said, you're the focus. Yeah. And not to fix you and not, I mean, it's the most shame-free place I've ever been. Yeah. And groups like this are, you know, invitations to those hard places with the promise of comfort and care. Not, well, what you could have done, what you should have done, the way you could have kept, stayed away from that. You know, because we're talking about, in many cases, the whole point is you couldn't do different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on that note, um, I know we've both talked about maybe offering a group or two this year. Um, And so more information will come on that. And I want to invite people, um, you know, to reach out if if you think you might be interested in participating in a story group. Yes, we don't give it every time, but our email addresses are chris at nurturecounseling.net or wendy at nurturecounseling.net. You can reach out uh, if you have feedback for us on the podcast in general, but also if there's a particular group or something that we've said that resonates and you want to talk further about what it would look like, um, you know, to, to do some of that kind of story work in a individual group setting, reach out and let us know. Yep. But thank you for listening. If you've listened this far, far and we wish you a, a blessed 2024 and we 
pray that God will meet you in it um, and redeem your story uh, so that you can lay down the treasures that you have to worship Jesus and, and give him what he's worth. Cheers. The Surviving Saturday podcast is brought to you by Nurture Counseling PLLC, a counseling teaching and training center based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We help families flourish one story at a time. Nurture Counseling provides counseling, counseling intensive for couples, conflict resolution coaching, story work groups, seminars, workshops, and retreats to provide a safe and welcoming context for exploring the agonizing experiences of pain, brokenness, and evil that disrupt our lives and that God often uses to nurture deeper trust and intimacy with Him and with each other. You can find us online at www.nurturecounseling.net.